you are listening to A Pastor in His Newspaper, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. I am Dr. Castro. It's great to be with you. It's been a little bit of time. We had a great 4th of July uh, holiday and um, had the whole week off. Uh, so I worked for a great church. So they gave me the whole week off and we had some friends in town from Evansville and that was great catching up with them and spending time with them. We uh, spent a lot of time in the pool, a lot of time talking and Staying up really late, and uh, so that was really great. It's always great to have friends come visit you, and and so uh, that was a lot of fun. And with it being um, you know July, I, there is a great article in the World Magazine, which is a great magazine. If you're inter- if you're a Christian, and you are and you like politics, or you like uh, news news stories, or cultural events, or even um, um, reviews of m- movies or music or t- TV shows. I cannot um, um, recommend enough World Magazine. Uh, I'm a subscriber to the magazine, and this month, um, it's a a monthly magazine, so you get it once a month. They had an article uh, called An Exception to the Rule, How the Four Pillars of American Exceptionalism Makes the United States Unique in World History. So uh, this seems like a, a pretty good time uh, to talk about this. Um, you know, I've traveled the world. I've been to uh, Southeast Asia. I just got back from Guatemala um, about a month ago. And you can hear more about that. Um, uh, that tra- oh, goodness. Um, so you can listen to the, my previous episode on Guatemala if you were interested about that trip. Um, but uh, I, um, um, so I've been around the world, Europe, I've been to Europe and, and all over Europe. And, um, you know, there is uh, something quite um, exceptional about America when you've been to other countries. Um, not to say that other countries aren't great. I went to Sweden. Sweden is, is great in a lot of ways, better in Amer- to America in some ways. Um, but, um, and, you know, been to England as well and Scotland and great countries, beautiful countries, better than America in some ways. Um, but there's something about America that kind of causes it to, to stand out. We are other countries that have liberty. So when people say, well, America is the greatest nation in the world because it has liberty, there is Sweden, uh, Swedish people have liberty. I know that Sweden is kind of used as the, the um, uh, as a country that uh, that is used negatively to talk about socialism um, and high taxes. They do have high taxes. Uh, they do have uh, free health care and free um, college tuition. Uh, it is a smaller country, and so it's usually when it's used to kind of speak to arguing for or against. Um, you know, welfare programs or social uh, programs like healthcare. I don't think it's a. It, I mean, U.S. is so much bigger than Sweden, but uh, even France, England, uh, countries in in Asia. There are countries in Asia that have freedom. They have democracy. They vote for their elected leaders, just like America. But um, with that being said, there is something about America and its exceptionalism. And um, our history of, 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 of kind of winning our independence from our colonial um, power, uh, England. And there are examples of, of nations who have earned their independence. They've won their independence from a colonial power and actually fell back into um, kind of a dictatorship, uh, I don't know, the more authoritarian government. India is one of those countries that, 
you know, it it, it, ha- it it won its independence from Great Britain in the 50s, but then has now recently kind of fallen back into being uh, less of a democracy. Uh, Turkey is one of these countries, um, countries in, in Africa as well, who they the people earned their, their freedom and their independence from their colonial power and then in some ways gave it right back over to dictatorships. And so what was it about America that it was able to sustain – um, independence and sustained freedom and liberty in the country. Um, and again, I mean, America is not the first country uh, to have uh, liberty or uh, a government controlled by the people. Uh, Greece uh, was a nation, and Greek, the Greeks and the, and the Athenians, they had uh, a republic, they had democracy in their city-state. Um, we think of Rome. Rome was a republic. Rule for the good of the people, uh, Republica. This was uh, so Rome was in a lot of ways U.S. based a lot of their governmental um, um, understandings from the Roman Republic. Uh, the Dutch also had democracy and their tiny nation prior to um, 1776 in the U.S. Constitution. Um, so there are examples before 1776, before America, of Government controlled by the people or ruled by the people or the people electing uh, officials to represent them in a government, governing body. But what is it about America? Why is America different? We think of, of Greece. Greece kind of fell back into uh, being a, a uh, ruled by um, uh, either a king or a monarch or a dictator, not less by the people. Same with Rome. I mean, Rome went from becoming a republic to then having an emperor, and the emperor being Caesar, and Caesar having uh, ultimate power over the people. Um, so this article, and I, I can't really pronounce the Larry Schwarzkart, Schwarzkart, Cart, S-C-H-W-E-I-K-A-R-T, uh, writes this article about uh, these, and he presents four pillars, four distinct differences between America and any other country in history. Um, very interesting article. Um, he says, pillar number one of, of the four pillars of American exceptionalism is the United States founding as a Christian, mostly Protestant religious state. And I think one of the interesting things about America is that it, it the, with the pilgrims coming over to the New World from, um, well, ultimately they were, were British, but they were resident, they were in the, the Netherlands, and then they uh, came um, over to the United States seeking religious freedom. Now, Jamestown was actually the first colony in the New World, which was a British colony, so Jamestown from King James. Um, so they were under the Church of England, so that that wasn't a, a a a colony that was started by by people seeking freedom from authority, uh, like the Puritans and like the um, the Pilgrims who did come, and they established because they had this in their own um, going back to Britain and going back to their 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 society in the Netherlands. They were arguing against the British crown for uh, them having their own. Uh, authority over the church, that it would no longer be in the crown. The crown, the king or or a queen, would not have authority over God's church. So they really argue for congregational um, church uh, leadership. Um, so they brought that understanding of the church leadership even into their understanding of governmental um, 
uh, leadership that it should be uh, it should be the bottom up instead of of top down. Um, that that it should be the government should be a government for the people and by the people uh, because they they believe this within their own church polity that it should be about the people leading um, in the church. And we think about this scripturally. The why do we believe that people should have authority in the church? Why should churches um, be led by congregations? Well. Because we see in in First Peter the priesthood of all believers that all believers are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Um, it, the clergy aren't given a special spirit compared to everyone else, but we are given the same spirit of God through Christ, and therefore the the people uh, should have uh, authority in the church. And so you you saw this uh, in Britain. You see this amongst the Puritans, a rejection of the king or the queen's authority over the church, but that the people have authority because we were led by God's word um, and we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Um, And so they brought this, the Puritans brought this to to Plymouth Rock. They brought this to to the colony up in in Massachusetts, um, and they established this this congregationally led church uh, understanding of government. Well, Jamestown, the opposite, the other colony that started in the 17th century, was controlled by the state, um, and they brought this understanding, this top-down understanding. So you see these kind of paths, and when we get to 1776, uh, the United States or the, the the American colonies are arguing against the king's authority over them. Uh, no taxation without representation. They have no representation in government, um, and they have they have no uh, ability um, to govern themselves. There's no self-governance that's happening in the colony. So they're arguing that, that, that they should have governance. And one of the major uh, players in the, the, um, the, the constitutional, well, the, the, the group that came together uh, to, to draft the Declaration of Independence was John Adams. And John Adams came from Massachusetts. And John Adams was raised in this congregational understanding. He was a he was a uh, he was a part of that that family tree that came over from the new world. So that's where he grew up, and that was his understanding that the people have authority. That we are not to to just con- to just um, um, be led uh, by a a ruler or a king, but that there's 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 power in the congregation. There's power in the people, and so he brought that understanding into his arguments and. Uh, he really is the the father of the the, the of seventeen seventy six and of that drafting. Even though it was Thomas Jefferson who wrote the draft and Benjamin Franklin, who was very much involved in drafting the Declaration of Independence. But it was Benj- it was John Adams who argued so passionately and so uh, effectively for the the unity of the colonies to um, seek independence from King George III and from Great Britain. So uh, the United States founding as a Christian, mostly Protestant religious state, not a Catholic state, or even a, a Church of England state, but a, a Protestant state that sought to uh, establish what they were establishing in their church, which was congregationally led uh, churches, or when we think about the civic government, but people-led government. And that's significant, you know, to think through um, that one of the reasons why um, the U.S. Uh, colony, or the American colony, argued for their independence is because they were, in their church structure, were, were practicing uh, government by the congregation or by the people. Uh, 
pillar number two is common law. Common law. Um, this is saying that the law is in the hearts of men and that people then elect or select rulers who would carry out and exec- execute laws that people had already agreed to. Um, so we have a law, a common law, that governs the rich and the poor. It governs the the, the rulers and the people. Um, and that is what holds us all together. Um, and we adopt this common law, and when we all practice, we all follow this common law. Uh, and we, think that, we see this in the Old Testament, right? We see that the kings of Israel and it were to, to lead according to God's law, that they weren't to establish their own law separate from God's law, but the entire people, including the king, including the royalty and the, and the, and the priesthood, everyone was under God's law. And we are to live according to it. Um, and again, this kind of bottom-up governance that is being established, that we're all uh, established as a society by this common law, and we all to follow this common law. And that we have different roles within the common law. You can like you have kings, you have you have uh, elected officials, you have um, other people, you have the wealthy, you have the 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 you have the artisan, the merchant class, the farming class, um, Argarian class. I guess is the best way to call that. And we're all under the same common law. And that, and so there is, uh, and we govern ourselves according to that law. Um, and we're not just, you know, to be, uh, that there's a one particular individual, there's a king who just establishes their own wishes and, 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 and what they want, and then the people just have to follow because, and they go, you know, they can in some ways act uh, opposite to uh, the common law. Um, so we, we see this um, in um, in Jamestown and Plymouth, uh, these two original these two early colonies um, in um, in the U.S. and in, in the American and in, in the New World, uh, which ended up you know, those two colonies and then the other colonies that followed uh, established the the kind of the practice um, that then led to. Uh, 1776, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Revolutionary War, the Constitution, and the, the start of the United States. Um, and we see that in Europe, again, that top-down governmental structure, um, where the royals and the nobles and, and, and are to kind of just follow the divine rights of kings, um, which the, the king has basically this divine right to establish his own law and to establish his own way of doing things against the will of the people, against the, a common law. Um, and therefore, self-government doesn't happen, right? Because you can't really govern yourself because we're not all working under the same law. Uh, but in the U.S., in, the, in, the, in America, we, from, since its founding, um, we have a constitution, we have a law, and it dictates what uh, presidents can do, what judges can do, what elected officials can do. Uh, these, these elected officials can't just come together and, and make laws that, that, that they don't have to follow, that but the rest of the people do have to follow. Um, so that was uh, pillar number two, two is, is common law. Uh, and that's been a part of America's history from day one. 
um, that we are used to self-governance and ruling ourselves um, and not just being um, a part of a, a top-down system, but more of a bottom-up governance. Um, and even today, we, we, we tend to think that uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, elected officials can, can do whatever they want. Not to say that elected officials aren't corrupt, but, but elected officials, if they do break the law, are accountable to the law. Uh, they can go to jail. They can be impeached. Um, they can be removed from from their position of power. Uh, they can't receive consequences for their their actions against the law. They can't just do whatever they want. Um, that there is a a common law that everyone is under and everyone has to follow. Pillar number three is private property was with written titles and deeds. Um, Again, like this is what's so interesting about about American history is it's not a, a bunch of a land that is just owned by lords and 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 and, and kings and queens um, who then then can dictate or can can give out um, you know um, you can use the land but they have the ones who have authority or they have a property uh, or ownership over the land. Um, but that the people, you can buy land, and it's land that you owned. It's your land, um, and you're able to uh, grow you know, crops on that land. You're able to build a home on that land. You're able to, to hunt uh, animal on your land. Um, this is your land. Um, this is something you own. It's your possession. Um, the government can't just take it from you because it's yours. It's your title, your deed. Um, this is something you own. In the Land Ordinance of 1785, we see this important American law, important law in American history because it set up a system of surveys and sales of public lands. Based on Thomas Jefferson's idea, all government lands should be moved into private hands as soon as possible. Um, the government actually owns one-third of the, of, the, of the land, so two-thirds of the U.S., Land is owned privately. People privately owned land, and they have the titles and deeds of this land. Um, and uh, and this is this is a significance. Even if you think about a lot of European land, uh, historically were owned by the the royalty, were owned by the aristocratical society, and you. You know, and it was passed down from generation to generation. It wasn't something that people could just buy and own for themselves and then operate um, their own. They can, you know, do what they want with the land. And in European nations, historically, the king had ultimate authority over all the land and could take it whenever he seemed fit. Uh, when Tigo, going back to, to Israel in, in, the, in the Old Testament, that the land was given to the different tribes. And there was even a system where if, if one of the families or clans of the tribe had to sell their land, um, that that land after during the t- time of Jubilee would be given back to the people because God is the one that owned the land. And he then gave out possession of that land to the different tribes. And that none of the tribes were to own more land than was given by God. And that land shouldn't be lost because it was given by God. Um. And so we see the importance in American history of, of people owning titles and deeds of land. Um, 
And we see also the Northwest Ordinance of 1787. It allowed for the settlement of creation of new territories on lands that today comprise Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. When a territory reached 5,000 free inhabitants, it could apply for territorial status, giving it a governor, a U.S. marshal, and a judge who rode, um, rode the circuit. In the second phase, it leveled up to merit an assembly and non-voting member of Congress. When the area reached 60,000 free males of full age, it could draft a constitution and request entry into the Union. Um, and, and so you see the establishment of different territories and different lands. But as, as I read from Jefferson, the, the intention was to quickly sell this governmental land to private owners, that people could own it, they could buy land, and then uh, govern that land under, the, under common law. Uh, this was the desire of, of Thomas Jefferson, and we see this being played out even to this day uh, of land being sold and, and people being able to buy this land. Um, and, and you even see this in the American spirit and pioneers who went over, who went west finding new territory, um, not for the sake of a, a king and, and, and claiming it for a king and then growing crops for the king. Um, so that he can use it for himself and for his army, but for people to own for themselves and for their for their families and being able to to to, to uh, grow crops on that land and use that land to to uh, for their herds to graze and for them to be able to to to, to raise uh, livestock and sell that livestock and to build profit off that life that off that that livestock. Um, and so this is a this is a part of uh, American history from the beginning is that people can privately own land and it's true today. I mean, you can go buy a piece of land. Uh, now there are reg- regulations on, on certain uh, uh, what you can what you can do with your land within reason, but that's your land. You can build a house, um, you can cut down trees, um, you can build a pool, um, you can you can build a a uh, um, a dirt bike course if your land's big enough um, and it's under certain ordinances, uh, but you can do what you want with your land to, to a certain extent. Um, pillar number four is a free market economy. A free market economy, um, and again, America was uh, established early on uh, to be about is uh, a free market and a capitalistic society. Um, that in, in America, in America wasn't the, the founding of capitalism. This was a part of uh, British society and European society way before 1776 with, you know, Adam, Adam Smith, and he's the moral philosopher who is um, kind of the, someone of the founder of capitalism and free market society. Um, and we see even, you know, during American uh, foundings where there was a little more socialism as a colony as they were trying to survive as a people and relying on each other. Um, but you see earlier, kind of after kind of the early few years, plus in, uh, in Plymouth in 1630, uh, the division of labor um, and uh, colonists agreeing to pay a miller with crops for milling their grain. So they're paying uh, a miller to mill their grain for them so that they can sell that grain on the market. 
And, and so you have a common law and you have private property kind of dictating and organizing this, this, the market so that uh, you can't just go and take someone's, um, um, you can't just take someone's supply, you can't just take someone's grain, that there is a consequence, you've broken a, you've broken a law, you've committed a crime, there's a consequence for doing that, that's not your property, you can't, you can't go onto someone else's land and grow your own crops. Uh, that's someone else's property. That's against the law, and there's a consequence for that. Um, and so, providing common law, providing private property, now provides a an opportunity for people to sell what they've able to to um, to grow or to produce on their land. They're able to to hire. Uh, workers or hire a miller to help them bring their um, their product to the market, and they can sell it to whomever they wish at a certain price. Um, and the government has the right to then tax that purchase um, for their own uh, to for, to help uh, organize society, um, to build roads and other infrastructure programs, or to build schools for the sake of educating the young. Um, that and you see this bottom up. Um, society that happened in, in Plymouth and then became a major part of American society of, of government by the people, uh, development of a common law that dictate that organizes laws for, the, for everyone, rich, poor, uh, elected officials, not those who are part of the, the citizenship or the, those who are not a part of the, 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 the political class. Um, that everyone are under the same common law. That there is a uh, there's private property that um, the president or the judge or elected official can't just grab land for their own benefit or for themselves or for the government's sake. That there's a, a process according to the law that you have to go through if you want to use a land or if you want to buy a land a piece of land from a private citizen. And this is these four uh, these four. These four pillars, you see um, uh, self-governance, you see common law, you see private property with written titles and deeds, you see uh, free market economy. This are the four pillars of American ex- exceptionalism. And, and these are the things that, we, in, in ways, we, we celebrate um, that make us who we are from the beginning. Um, and that we haven't... Um, changed or or compromised or uh, loosened any of these pillars that these are what makes America exceptional it's what makes America great that we are people we are government by the people and for the people that we have a, a law that is that everyone is under um, no one is an exception to the law we're all under the same law that you can um, that property can be bought and owned privately, um, that there are titles and deeds that establish the ownership of that property, and that you can then sell what you grow on the mar- in the marketplace, that there is a freedom market economy that, 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 is, that is being um, organized and, and, and protected by common law um, so that people can make money or groups of people can make money and, and be able to profit off what they sell and what they produce um, for the sake of their, of their, of their own wealth, uh, for the sake of their families' uh, well-being, uh, for the sake of their community's well-being, for the sake of their church's well-being. And, and you know, we think about why, why are all these things important? You can't ignore how the church especially has 
flourished under American society and American government, American history. Uh, the church has grown. The church has been able to um, prosper. The church has been able to send. Um, the church has been able to to think and to write and to um, uh, make contributions and and understanding of God and Scripture and Christ. These all have happened in the United States because of what God has given. These are all by God's grace. Uh, these four pillars are purely by God's grace. I, I especially when we th- go back to the first one that you know the the founding of a of a Christian, mostly Protestant religious state. Um, if again, if you if America was purely established by Catholics or even by is, is, is by Muslims, you would have a different nation because you wouldn't have that bottom up foundation that you see um, with especially Brit, uh, uh, Baptist and Puritan uh, religious understanding or Christian understanding. Uh, we can't we can't ignore what happened at Plymouth Rock. We can't ignore what happened. Uh, up in Massachusetts in the beginning of the United States, you have a, a congregational-led understanding of church governments that affected um, uh, the, the views on government gover- governing at, at, at large. Um, they call, you know, someone who's Baptist, I'm very strongly uh, for the, the view of the congregation, the, the, the authority of the congregation, that the congregation has authority, because we, uh, we see uh, this bottom-up structure historically in the church. And you see the, the, the problems of the top-down uh, structure uh, of church governance, and even within um, um, civic government as well. Um, and we think about the Reformation in 1517 in, in the 16th century and, and the rejection of the Pope. The Pope does not have ultimate authority in the church. The, God's word has ultimate authority in the church. And we, as readers of God's word, as those saved by Christ, given the Holy Spirit, we can understand scripture and we can come together and be governed by the word together. Uh, and how that actually also impacts how we have civic government. Um, and what makes America exceptional is that our foundation is a, self, is a foundation of self-governance, um, that, that, that there is intelligence in the people, that there is um, goodness in the people, that there is properness in the people, um, and the people make decisions for the good of society. And they're not reliant so much on a philosopher king to be the one who dictates and organizes and rules, but that the people rule. And the people are the ones that um, elect officials uh, to represent us in Congress and in assemblies. But we are not um, giving up all our authority to one person to be our leader or ruler. Um, so it's interesting how the Bible affects American exceptionalism, how the Bible affects our thinking as Americans. Even the thought of liberty and freedom, um, that we have rights uh, given by God, um, that we do not have the right to take whatever we want, uh, that God is the true authority, He is the true Lord, and we are, are created in His image, and we are to, to honor and respect and, and care for our fellow man, um, because they are image bearers of God, and we expect the same uh, that they would do to us. Um, that should affect the way that we govern, the way that we, we think about governance and, and politics. Um, and so these are some, this is a very interesting article. Again, I'm not sure if you, if you become a world subscriber, you can read this, an exception to the rule. And thinking about how 
the Bible does affect the way that we should think about governance. Um, I think it's it's very interesting. Another point to make, I think that really is is an important part of this understanding of American exceptionalism is, and I think we can't ignore what God did through George Washington. You have a man who could have ruled. I mean, he could have ruled for the remainder of his life, but yet he served two terms, uh, four-year terms. Uh, he served for eight years, and then lay stepped down from from office. He he stepped down from his his perch. Um, and I think that's a significant moment that uh, someone who gave up power, uh, that was people were willingly to give him all the power he wanted, but yet he, um, uh, he stepped down from that. He rejected that, uh, that ultimate power. Now, I don't know if, if, it's the per, if, if Washington was viewing that, you know, ultimate power corrupts absolutely, um, it could have been just purely he was he was tired and just wanted to retire to, to peace and, and quiet. But God used whatever the thinking was, established a, a, a precedent that went forward from that point onward, up until you get to FDR. But eventually it become it became where the American government decided to go back to limiting terms to two terms. Um, that we never really had a, a, a long history of people just ruling and leading for wherever hell they wanted. But it was something where there's a limit to authority. There's a limit to power. And I think that was very significant in American history, especially since it happened so early on. And it was such an opposite of what you were seeing in Europe amongst the French and the Spanish. Um, and in, I mean, even the Catholic Church and also in Britain that the U.S. took a different route, that its leaders, its, its first leader took a different route. It didn't pursue ultimate power, but instead led as a servant and then stepped down. And, and you see this reflection with Christ. I mean, Christ was a servant. He laid his life down. Now, Christ is, is, is the second person of the Trinity. He is God, and therefore he has ultimate power, but he rules with, with faithfulness and truth, and, and perfect goodness and, pu- and purity and, and without, without blame, without evil, without sin. But we as, as humans are sinful. We are, we are fallen. Um, and we can't just trust one person to lead that way. Um, and so as a, as a group, uh, we, we hold each other accountable. There are checks and balances. Um, and we come together uh, to to uh, govern uh, our, our nation, our society. We elect certain officials to represent us. And if they do a bad job or if they take advantage of that role, we take them out of office, right? We agree that they've gone too far and we, we reject them as leaders. We reject them and we remove them from their role and we put someone there that is, is a better representation of the people or a more honest person. And that's what makes, again, America so exceptional as we have that within our, our history, within our foundings and, and our, and we continue to strive to, to be that, to be a more perfect union, to continue to strive to be a nation that, that, that is, that is governed by a common law that we, we believe in self-governance. Um, we believe that a person can, can, um, can govern themselves, or we can govern as a group of people, um, and that we can buy property, that we can own property, that we can do what we, what we like with that property uh, under common law, and that we can 
grow things, that we can we can build things, we can we can uh, produce things, and then sell them freely on the market and under under the same rules as everyone else. Um, and uh, so again, I think that's just a, an interesting article about those four things. Um, hopefully, this has been helpful, and uh, look hopefully uh, look to be back in about two weeks and have a different uh, a different news article or a news event or an opinion that we can talk about here on a passionate newspaper and hope you have a wonderful week and hope to hope to see you soon um, so uh, I'll be off to Florida going on vacation for a few days and look forward to some rest uh, from a busy summer so have a wonderful weekend and we'll hope to see you soon